We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, one and all. This is the Barcelona Podcast, show 16 if you're keeping track at home. Brought to you, of course, by Frances Tomas and myself, Dan Hilton. We're delighted you're here listening in for an opinionated take on the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Thanks to all you who have already visited the BarcelonaPodcast.com. Of course, that is the BarcelonaPodcast.com. You can subscribe, comment, and support the show by taking advantage of the many deals we offer there. And before we get started, I also want to mention we are on iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate, subscribe, and help us out. Give us a little bit of feedback and help this Barcelona podcast community grow. Frances, I've made you wait too long. What are we talking about today? We're talking about what everyone's thinking about this week. It's been a very, very busy week in the papers and all around the media. It's all about Neymar and PSG and the 222 million euro offer. Then we're going to go on to Rakitic, Berati and that potential story as well. And ending up with the Barca USA Tour. Let's get started. You mentioned it right from the top, Neymar. That's the name on everybody's lips. And for the fans at home waiting for us to break this story and talk about this story, for me, Frances, I woke up to it, checked Twitter, and just felt exhausted. Just scrolling through the different sources and all the things that were being said, how you go to bed one night and you're thinking, maybe the Marco Verratti story moves a little bit further, and maybe either that is put to bed, or Verratti winds up being closer to Barca. What happens with that? And so you go to expect that news, and you wake up and you hear that, that, of course, Neymar, Brazilian Neymar, is leaving Barcelona. It's almost a done deal, everybody says. And by everybody, we're mainly talking about the sources who where it came from originally. Sport had said, and that's, of course, in Catalonia, had said that he was unhappy and wanted to leave. That's picked up by UOL in Brazil. And all of, of course, Marca in Spain picks that up and says how unhappy he is and how he wants to leave. And then Lance in France takes it and says that the deal is practically done from a Marie Saint-Germain perspective. Of course, what this would mean, just those numbers, we talked about the 222 million euro release clause plus 306 million in salary, making Neymar a expense for PSG that could be up to 528 million euros, meaning about 30 million euros per season for five years. But of course, with taxes, that would require PSG to pay close to 61.2 million per season for the player. And that is a lot of moolah for Neymar, a player, of course, that he is, we'll say, worth it. But with the UEFA financial fair play, of course, Josep Bartomeu is saying that it's pretty much impossible if you want to comply with financial fair play rules. But if PSG doesn't and wants to get hit with a transfer ban, well, they can get Neymar, but they're going to have to pay the price. 
yeah, undoubtedly, it's all about money at this moment in time. It's whether Neymar wants to leave, and um, this probably is going to be quite controversial, but I am of the mind that if Neymar wants to go, the door is wide open, and he can go whenever he wants. Um, at Catalonia, we don't want anyone in our team who doesn't want to play for us, and uh, if he's that eager to go elsewhere, then, you know, just make sure that 222 million euros are on our bank. And if you want to go, man, feel free. We've treated you like a semi-god here. You've been, you've been one of us for the last five years. Um, we've defended you while you've gone through your court cases and all of that signing. And, and you know, you've got, had the best player in the world being right behind you the whole way. We've added Suarez to the team so that you feel comfortable up front. You've been... Um, part of the best attacking trident in the world and arguably history but you know if that's not good enough if um, Neymar wants to go somewhere else then as I said the door is wide open um, there are many reasons why he would want to go first one being not being in Messi's shadow anymore maybe he wants to grow and believes that having a team in which he can be the leader is better for his career maybe he just is hyper ambitious and wants to win the Ballon d'Or and compete with Messi and Ronaldo for that accolade. Uh, maybe he just wants to go for the money. He wants to become the best paid player in the world. And uh, if that is what he wants, then congratulations and good luck to him. If uh, what he wants is to join with the many Brazilians in PSG at the moment, such as Thiago Silva, Lucas Moura, Marquinhos, and obviously his older brother, from another mother, Dani Alves, then so be it. And finally, if what he wants is to be allowed to roam around the pitch and exploit his skills in whichever way he sees fit in a team that you know will give him total freedom to move around, then as I said, it's 222 million euros. And uh, if that is his choice, then see you later. It's your, it's, as I said, it's, it's your choice. The difference between you know your opinion on this, which you'd say might be uh, the Catalonian perspective, as opposed to mine, which obviously would be the global perspective, you know, having been raised and growing up here in the States, that I think Neymar, being 25, you understand the pull. Uh, you explain the five reasons, or five of the reasons, why he would want to leave Barcelona. Uh, of course, as you had mentioned, taking that next step, and right now, you could say that he's number three or in the argument for being the third best player behind Messi and Ronaldo. But if he arguably has the team to himself in Paris, you know, starring in the Champions League, then maybe that will take him to the next level and make him much closer, make him undoubtedly the number three in the world until, of course, Messi being 30, Ronaldo being older than that, he can take on and become the best player in the world. And as you had mentioned, he won't be restricted to just playing on the wing in PSG. He'd be given much more freedom to roam around the field and basically do what we know he's capable of. Other things being Paris is also a leading city in the world in fashion and marketing. But my question is, could that be canceled out by the global market because of playing in, in Ligue 1, which, is not, which obviously doesn't get the kind of global accolades and exposure that you'll see from Premier League, La Liga, or the Bundesliga, or even Serie A, with Liga 1 coming in basically as fifth or sixth with the Portuguese League. So my question would be then for Neymar, is it truly worth it from a marketing perspective? And if, if he truly wants to win, is that the, the option? Now, where I disagree with you from a Barcelona perspective is I, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday and, and wondering to myself, if Neymar were to leave Barcelona in terms of quality, in terms of 
as again, I'm always thinking of the post-Messi years in terms of quality. I don't think there's a like-for-like replacement that Barcelona could possibly find in the world. And we're going to talk about a few of those possibilities either in this show or a future show um, in case Neymar were to go to PSG. But I don't think there's a like-for-like replacement of a player of his caliber and Barcelona would be taking a step back by losing a player of Neymar's quality. And and I understand the perspective that uh, so many Kool-Aids have about saying if, if a player does not fully have his heart set on playing for the Blagrana, then he's not worth the time, and it's time to move on from the player. But for uh, Neymar's perspective, and for every player, I, I think they have to always— it, it's fine for a player to look at their options, to weigh all the ins, all the outs. And again, you have a former Barcelona player in Danny Alves probably whispering in his ear, and you could even look at PSG. They brought in Danny Alves, basically stole him from Pep Guardiola and Man City, and that could have been, not necessarily for Danny Alves, of course, he's still a top-quality right back and will most likely insert right into their starting lineup at the ripe old age of, of, I believe, 34. But Danny Alves could have been brought in for the sole purpose of getting Neymar away from Barcelona and making Neymar feel like he would be more valued at PSG instead of being behind Messi. But as I said, from my perspective, just looking at a, a talent perspective, Neymar has been so important to the club over the last five years. And you could argue that his greatest contribution to the team will be in the future and not necessarily even in the wonderful five years he's had. I agree. I agree totally. Um, I've said several times, particularly I think it was a previous episode, that um, Neymar has all the skills, all the talent and all the potential to be a future Ballon d'Or winner. Um, there is no question that he has improved tremendously alongside Messi and Suarez um, and the many coaches that he's had the privilege of working with at Barca. Um, working alongside Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, Rakitic over the years has improved his skills, his positioning. Obviously, he, he was already very gifted on the ball and um, in terms of dribbling and, and making runs and that. But um, ultimately, he's become a better player because he has been at Barca. And at this moment in time, as I said before, if, if what he wants to do is to continue to grow elsewhere, then I don't really have a problem with it. As I said at the start, players that play for Barca are players that want, want to be with us. And if his mind is elsewhere, I would rather cash in the money that um, the PSG Qatari investors want sort of to send our way and then continue to build for the future. What I think Barca cannot do is sort of hold on to a player that has his heart set on, on something else or, or sort of bits that we cannot really offer. We, as long as Messi is part of the team, he's not going to be number one and he fully knows that. But, you know, if he was patient enough to stay in a couple of years, for example, then I'm sure that Messi would start sort of declining slightly, perhaps, as we mentioned in our previous podcast as well, drop into the midfield so that Neymar can sort of get a much more um, starring role up front. But again, that has to be coming with patience and if he doesn't have the patience and he wants to go with Dani Alves to PSG, then that is his choice. He just needs to make sure that the money reaches us, goes straight to our bank, and then Barca will have to start rebuilding the attacking front with 222 million euros, which, to be honest, could buy you any player in the world that wants to come. So, as I said before, it's his decision, and he just needs to let us know. And I think the prevailing idea, Frances, is that 
Barcelona is just one midfield player away, just one Marco Verratti type away from taking that next step again to being the same Champions League winning squad that Kules are so used to. And so losing Neymar, I think, would compromise that a little bit. But to your point, and there's so many ways we can postulate this of what players could be brought in, because as you mentioned, Barcelona would then have the pick of almost any player in the world they would want. My only fear then would be with $222 million, are other clubs then going to force Barca's hand to overpay? Then that would become my worry. Now, one way to get around overpaying, and that brings us right into topic number two, potentially for Marco Verratti. So we're going to stay in Paris. Again, this whole show is basically the Barcelona podcast featuring Paris Saint-Germain. But the question that's come up this week is to get Marco Verratti, maybe you throw in Ivan Rakitic and make it $70 million plus Rakitic for Verratti. Now, just to debunk this story a little bit before we get into the possibility of including Rakitic in a hypothetical transfer for Verratti, of course, because PSG have not moved, they do not want to move Verratti. From a Barcelona perspective, they've said that there's no weight to the idea that Rakitic will be gone. Different media outlets are basically recycling this notion that the Croatian could be moved, and that's what's giving it any weight, any gravity, and that's why anybody's believing it. Rakitic, however, was one of the first players that Ernesto Valverde reportedly had high praise for. He said that he's absolutely in his plans basically since day one, since he showed up for training about a week ago, and he doesn't want to lose him. Now, the deal, however, I would say, Frances, makes sense for Rakitic. Not only would he be reunited with Unai Emery, who has become a world-class player, who helped Rakitic, excuse me, become a world-class player at Sevilla while winning the Europa League, That led Rakitic to get his transfer to Barcelona because of the high level he was playing at. And Rakitic is a starting 11 player in pretty much every team in the world. And this would allow Rakitic to become the number one midfielder. He'd become the guy, the focal point in the midfield for a team like PSG. And so you could understand for Rakitic the pull for him. But unlike some of the discontent we might be seeing from Neymar that's being reported that Neymar has, Rakitic seems very content at the camp. No, he seems like he doesn't want to leave and the Barcelona coaching staff say they want to hold on to him. So would you include him, however, if that's what it took to get Marco Verratti? I'm not trying to be controversial in today's show, but yes, I would. Uh, Rakitic has been fantastic for Barca over the years. He was particularly instrumental in a 2015 Champions League win. However, last season, he did not perform at the same level. And uh, I think the drop from the 2015 to the 2016 season is actually quite steep. Um, Luis Enrique didn't trust him too much, but then again, if Luis Enrique didn't do that, there must be a reason behind it. When he played, he didn't feel as free, as confident, and to be honest, as fit or fresh as he had done in the previous season, his debut season at the Camp Nou. So there is a risk at this moment in time that Rakitic could decline even further this year, Hopefully that is not the case, but if that happened, then Barca passing on on this opportunity, if it really is true that the opportunity is here, then it will be another bad step in the wrong direction. Um, I've seen reports um, all around the Spanish media, not necessarily the Catalan media, but the Madrid-based media, that saying that um, Rakitic is not the number one player that PSG would include in this operation, but they're also mentioning Andre Gomez, which without a doubt... Um, I would, as I said in the previous show, I will have a little ball around his head and put him in a box and send him to Paris um, in the next transfer that, um, that we can send that way. I think 
to be honest, either one of the players I would exchange for Verratti and say 30 or 40 million uh, with my eyes closed, simply because I think Verratti is an outstanding player who could improve Barca instantly. And I think at this moment in time, Verratti is more needed than Rakitic and Gomez, particularly if only one of them leaves, because I would expect Gomez to get better this season. I don't know if Rakitic's progression is still going to be on the up next year. Yeah, Francis, I have to agree with that. Andre Gomez, as you had mentioned, still in his early 20s. He has room to grow, and we'd expect that he would get better after his first season learning the Barcelona system. Rakitic, meanwhile, 29 years old. He'll be 30 this year, so you'd expect that the game he has is not going to change much, but he shouldn't fall off too much in the next few years. He still has a few years left in him in terms of his legs, in terms of his quality. But for Rakitic, as I had mentioned, I think he's a starter almost anywhere else in the world. But then if, let's say, it's Andre Gomez who goes instead of Rakitic, then Rakitic is then forced in a bench role because, of course, it's Iniesta and Verratti who would be the two starters with Busquets, and then Rakitic would have to accept a bench role. And I think he's still the kind of player that deserves to be in a starting 11. And that said, I think with this whole story about Verratti, I would hope that Kool-Aid's won't devalue the midfielders and how much success some of them had. As you had mentioned, Rakitic was so important to the team in 2015, and he's still obviously the undisputed starter in midfield. Again, maybe Sergio Roberto now moving into midfield is going to give him a run for his money, but certainly with Arda Turan, with Gomez, with Denis Suarez, Rakitic was leading the pack. He was the guy opposite Iniesta, and while he hasn't been Xavi, his game isn't really Xavi's game. So he was never expected to be Xavi. He just was expected to be the partner next to Iniesta and try to do his own things. And I think he really did help the team, particularly under Luis Enrique in 2015, move forward a little bit away from what Barcelona had been, where they had gotten a little bit stagnant. We had seen the Spanish national team employ the same thing in the 2014 World Cup to not much success. And so Rakitic helped with more direct balls. He just had a different way of pushing the ball forward. And I think Rakitic was really important to Barcelona's evolution into the team that they currently are. And, you know, you can argue that that's not the the best team that Barcelona's like. It doesn't have Barcelona's DNA, but it still won a 2015 Champions League final in pretty convincing fashion as well. I mean, that was a really sensational, fantastic team with Rakitic being one of those motors in the midfield. And so I think for Rakitic, if he were to be the one to move on, from a squad perspective, it just makes a little more sense. Andre Gomez is still kind of a bench player. He hasn't shown the quality to move into a starting role. But for Rakitic, if Verratti comes, Rakitic is certainly going to become a bench player. And, of course, we've talked about the midfield jam in the past, but I think this might allevi- alleviate a little bit of that. And, if anything, it would just keep things neutral where Verratti would just replace Rakitic in the starting lineup. And that is precisely the point, that last point you made. I think if Rakitic is going to stay in the squad with Verratti, then his role is going to be much lesser. Um, Thinking about the 12 midfielders that we've got in the squad at the current moment, I would say Iniesta, Busquets and Sergio Roberto are pretty much the only ones that, for me, should be untouchable. Rakitic would be number four. But then again, this hypothetical offer or deal that has surfaced in, in the media is including Rakitic in the deal. So I would say, yes, just shift it because... You know, I'd rather have a second or third best midfielder than a fourth. But obviously, Samper, Rafinha, Turan, Denis Suarez, they're all, even Andre Gomez, they're all players that I would 
I would move for Verratti without a shadow of a doubt. Um, that is not to say that Rakitic hasn't been instrumental for us. He really has. And uh, what the impact that he had in his first season was remarkable. And uh, I, for one, was one that fell in love with his game. But we need to be looking at the future. We need to be realistic. And Rakitic wasn't a regular starter last season. He played a little bit more towards the end, but he wasn't able to establish himself in the way that he'd done the previous season. So my worry is that he's going to decline yet again this season. And uh, if bringing Baratti means his exit, then I think that is a deal that the board needs to pursue this time. Yeah, we can't beleaguer the point. We're getting to the point in the summer that we had talked about in past episodes, Francis, that this Verratti saga is just going to continue all summer long. Barcelona has even basically said publicly in different announcements that Verratti is not their player. Of course, you have to do the lip service because of tampering. But it looks like Barcelona is going to play the waiting game and see if his situation at PSG changes at all. Now, Verratti has also hired a new agent, and whether or not that puts a new wrinkle in the saga is will be seen in the next week or two. But nevertheless, Verratti is still not on his way to the camp, no. Rakitic is still the starter to compete with Sergio Roberto at this point, I think, for the starting spot, along with Andre Gomez, and alongside Andres Iniesta. And so moving forward, Barcelona has who they have, and that's the team that, as we go into topic number three, they're going to bring to the U.S. for the tour. 26 players will come to the U.S. to play in their three friendlies as part of the International Champions Cup, culminating in a matchup, of course, with Real Madrid in Miami just a few days before those two teams meet again in the Spanish Super Cup. They also play Juventus and Manchester United. The friendly against Real Madrid, I I think Frances just has kind of a weird feel to it where you play Real Madrid in a friendly in Miami for what you'd say a meaningless game, yet beating Madrid always seems to be a priority. And particularly when I can Kool-Aid are getting a little divided on this, that Barcelona with Real Madrid winning the last two Champions League titles, it feels like Barcelona is just a half step or a step behind, even though they still have Messi, Suarez, Neymar, Iniesta, Busquets, Ter Stegen, Piquet, and it still feels like Real Madrid have taken that upper hand, particularly having just won the battle, we'll say, for Danny Ceballos, even though, as you had mentioned, Kule's kind of cut loose with him, having heard that if you don't want to play for Barcelona, don't play for Barcelona, so he chose Real Madrid, so while Kule's might be upset by that, if he had chosen to play for Barcelona, then that would have been another player that Barcelona can add, and that would have been a battle won against Real Madrid. Nevertheless, some of the players that are coming include basically everybody. Douglas, Amper, Vermelian, Munir have not yet left the club. All expected transfers out, but they're still going on the tour. Marlon, Carlos Elena, and then goalies Artolo and Esquita are also in the squad because Ter Stegen and Andre Gomez won't be back from their holiday after the Confederations Cup. Rafinha and Gerard De La Feo did not come because they are injured. So only four players of the normal suspects are not coming to the U.S. So all the big hitters, all the heavy hitters will be there. And you'd, you'd expect that Barcelona, while they are going to do tons of substitutions and everybody's a little bit out of form, I, I think that this is a squad that has to have fans excited because this is really going to be the first look we're going to see for the new season. And it's going to happen right away. It's not just youth players. It's going to be the big names that you're going to see in these friendlies. And I think that's precisely what the important point is. I think it's the fact that we haven't sent our B team. We haven't sent too many youngsters. This is the very first chance to see Ernesto Valverde's scheme, formation, and the way that he wants these players to play. 
Um, I, will, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to put a damper on it, but I'm really not bothered about the International Champions Cup. That is not a title. It's just a friendly tournament. So winning or losing is not nothing that is important. I think what really is crucial here is that Barca are going to face three teams that are world-class. So you've got Juventus, United and Madrid. Um, talking about Madrid, I, I, I think most people in Catalonia feel like me, which is that a Real Madrid-Barca can never be a friendly. So from that respect, I would rather they don't play. I think, you know, because otherwise, if there's too many classicals in a year, in, there is a risk that it loses its effect. The important and sort of the, the special point about a Clásico is that there's always something at stake, whether it be a cup final, whether it be a league game sort of towards the end of the year, and whether hopefully this season it will be a Champions League final that we can play together. But playing in Miami on the 29th of July, as much as I tr truly understand all our American fans could be very excited about it, I think it's pretty pointless in terms of our rivalry, and it does nothing for, for the business of a classical, if you want to call it that, although it's precisely that business that is going to bring plenty of fans and um, plenty of money th through TV rights as well. But I personally don't think it's necessary, and I would rather they play against, say, Manchester City or Chelsea or anyone of that caliber instead. Now, in terms of the players that are going, I'm excited about all of them. Obviously, Neymar has traveled. Apparently, he was really, really grumpy um, in the flight all the way to the United States. He sat next to Bartomeu. Well, he didn't. He sat next to Douglas, who is obviously the other Brazilian in the squad. And he wasn't very chatty at all. Bartomeu went to sit down with him, although reportedly Neymar didn't really want him to do that. And uh, he had no option but to, but to talk to him about his current situation. But beyond having Neymar in the team, which is great, at this moment in time and you know hopefully he can stay but as we discussed earlier that depends on him the player that I'm the most excited about is um, Nelson Semedo it will be our first chance to see a Portuguese signing Portuguese right back signing making an impact I'm also very excited to see Sergio Roberto hopefully moving to midfield um, I listened to his words today after they landed in the USA and they trained for the first time uh, Roberto has apparently been training with the rest of the midfielders and done different sort of training routines that have got more to do with passing than traditionally at right back. So I'm very excited to see how Semedo slots in the right spot in defence and hopefully seeing Sergio Roberto taking, I would say, the interior right spot, e.g. Rakitic spot, um, and see how they perform in there. So exciting times. I really do hope that if any of our listeners do go to the games, they can tweet us some photos. But um, as I said, great times for them. I would rather the games against Madrid become official. But hey, that's just us wishing. Yeah, to go back to some of those points, Frances, I completely agree with you that, you know, in preseason, as I had mentioned, the players, they're getting ready for the season. These games truly have no importance other than, as you had mentioned, the key word from a business perspective. So playing against a Manchester United, Man City, and Barcelona, who never play in the States, coming over, is going to sell tickets, it's going to sell merchandise, it's marketing, it's branding. That's the bottom line. That's the most important part of all this, as opposed to the wins and losses. And so against the Real Madrid, it's going to feel like you have to get a victory, even if you don't. And so from my perspective, I think the team that you're going to see against Real Madrid 
in the friendly on the 29th in Miami is going to be quite different than the team and the starting 11 that you're going to see in the Super Cup a few days later for the Spanish Super Cup after Barcelona won the Copa del Rey and Real Madrid won La Liga. Those, I think, are going to be two entirely different starting 11s and teams, and I would hope that Real Madrid takes a similar approach in the friendly and doesn't necessarily, we'll say, go for it with their lineup and plays a few more younger players and et cetera, et cetera. Though Real Madrid, due to their depth, has mostly basically start to finish very few youth players that they brought in. They've sent most of their youth players out on loan already. So Real Madrid will still have to be playing their reserves who are still going to be in the first team, while Barcelona could be throwing out Carlos Alenia and Marlon Santos, I'd expect, against Real Madrid in that friendly, all things considered. Just to, again, not show Real Madrid and not show too much of your hand for the Super Cup a few days later. As you had mentioned, business being the key word in all of that, and I think something that's obviously in over in Spain and in England and in Europe, it's not going to be talked about. But here in the States, some big Barcelona no- news from this past week is involved with branding, involved with business, and that's that Barcelona have embarked on their biggest project in the U.S. to date. They've agreed to create a residential academy in Arizona. It's basically already built. It's a $60 million facility that's absolutely beautiful. They built it with Grande Sports World, which is basically a, we'll say, a youth club or a youth program in Arizona that was formerly affiliated with the MLS team of Real Salt Lake. Now they've moved completely to Utah. This is for boys and girls ages 12 through 19 in the States, and that team will then compete in the U.S. Soccer Development Academy's different youth sectors, depending on ages, of course. This also coming after announcing that Barcelona wished to establish a team in the National Women's Soccer League in the States, or the NWSL, as it's known here. And that just tells you that Barcelona is continuing to push their branding which they've done in China, particularly in the last decade as well, but they're really pushing it here in the States. And for the United States, it seems to be a positive-positive relationship that for the U.S., you're getting some of those Barcelona ideals into younger players. And for you can talk to most player, most people from the U.S. I mean, I played a little bit from rural Pennsylvania, which for our global listeners is a tiny, not a tiny, but it's a state here in the U.S. next to New York and New Jersey. But the soccer quality at a youth level, you know, it wasn't what it is in Europe, in the States. And even at the top players, the top youth players playing, there's about 70 in those development leagues. And basically, it's you, if you're in the right place, if you're in the right time, and your parents were able to take you to these places, it's usually a lot of long drives. And it can oftentimes cost a little bit of money to play in, in those places. And that really does shut off so many of the talented young players that are never seen here in the U.S. and why there seems to be this talent erosion in a a country so big as the U.S. And Barcelona is part of that solution to help identify talent, give scholarships to come to their academy in Arizona. And from a U.S. perspective, it's an exciting thing. And that tells you that that's one of the reasons Barcelona is here. That's why they're bringing their first team to sell tickets, branding, merchandise, and become like a Manchester United where you truly are a complete global brand, particularly in markets like China and the U.S. I am very delighted that you feel like that. And uh, if that is the general feeling in within our United States fan base, then that is tremendous. Um, as a Catalan myself, that you know, we've always had La Masia around us. We've always sort of, in a way, taken it for granted. Seeing someone speak so much passion, um, it really fills me with pride. I am delighted that children in the United States are going to have the opportunity to play for Barca, even if it is 
you know, in the girls' team or, or whichever sort of way we can get there. And if we can help develop the, 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 the game of football around the world, and particularly in the United States, then that can only be a positive. Um, I really, in, in terms of, you know, the size of the United States, there's definitely going to be 11 players that are worth having in the team. And uh, I, I'm assuming that the players that are developed in that way through the Boston Academy in the USA will or could have a chance eventually to make it into the national team to improve the sport in the whole country as a result. So if Barca can support towards improving the game of football at a global scale and in this respect in the United States scene, then that can only be good news and I am honoured that the club is involved in such an initiative. Yeah, Francis, and as I kind of mentioned, it's not flashy news that Barcelona has this youth academy and these aren't players that you're going to buy jerseys from. These are just kids. And that development, for U.S. fans in particular, you're not going to even see dividends for maybe 10 to 15, 20 years from now. So this isn't really a a now kind of exciting news, but it is something that could lead to something in the future, as you mentioned. But speaking of things that are happening now, particularly as you had alluded to earlier with that U.S. tour and the squad that's coming, the player that we should be excited about leads us right into our fan question. Capoeira asked us via Twitter that he was looking at some YouTube videos of Nelson Semedo, and he says he looks pretty good. You guys think that they that he could be a new Danny Alves or even a Danny Alves 2.0 is what Capera asked us on Twitter. And, Frances, I kind of know, I pretty much have a guess what you're going to say, that Danny Alves is not going to be replaced, but Nelson Semedo is 23 years old. He's going to be given plenty of time to learn the system, and... I know we have Alex Vidal and Sergi Palencia is basically waiting, knocking on the door as the captain of the B team at the right back position as well. But Nelson Semedo, for all intents and purposes, looking at the fact that he's a starter for Portugal in the Confederations Cup and recently for Portugal, he's moved in, being the starting right back for Benfica as well, a Champions League quality squad in Portugal, that Nelson Semedo really should be the right back. And I think, as you had mentioned, Frances, that... Fans just don't seem as excited. You know, they need it. We, you cried about, we cried about a, a right back. Hector Bellerin, Hector Bellerin. We need a right back. We need a right back. You and I had broken down Nelson Semedo in earlier episodes and kind of said what he could bring to the club. But now he's part of the club and he could step right into the starting 11. And that is certainly something exciting. Now, for me, looking at the scouting report and having seen a little bit, but as you had mentioned in the past as well, a video, a YouTube highlight video doesn't really say everything that a player can do. It doesn't, particularly the Barcelona style, a YouTube video doesn't show if a player has those instincts and that Barcelona DNA over the course of a two-minute highlight package. For Semedo, he's not necessarily known for the same crossing abilities that Danny Alves is, but as we saw with Danny Alves, he did kind of grow into the player that he is with Barcelona. He was a good player with Sevilla, but he took his game to the next level when he moved to Barcelona. And at 23, Semedo could get better at crossing. He could get better at, you know, passing and moving, which is one of his big qualities already. And he has that speed, he has that quickness, and he's got a good technical touch as well. So if he can take those things and mold his game, he certainly could be a, a very similar replacement to Danny Alves, even if he doesn't have the same personality and fanfare that you saw with Danny Alves. I, I agree, and I think we're spending too much time together because you pretty much said what I was going to say, that Danny Alves is irreplaceable, that Danny Alves, there's only one-off, and um, it should be like that. You know, every player should be different. Having said that, I am terribly excited about Semedo joining the team. 
I really can't wait to see what he can do. Uh, going up and down the flank is something that I saw, I saw him doing with Portugal and I've seen a couple of clips um, of sort of not just YouTube clips but sort of longer periods of games with Benfica and I think that he would fit right in. Now uh, we have seen a lot of players that were successful in teams before joining Barca and then they've come to the Camp Nou and not being able to cope with the pressure. So there is also that danger. So uh, that's why I said before I'm really excited about seeing him joining the, the team, the squad, the club and hopefully the starting eleven in months to come, starting with the tour of the USA and uh, then building from there. Let's hope that he is successful because his success is going to be the team's success and ultimately that's what we all want. Yeah, this is certainly an exciting time for Kool-Aid's, even with all the Neymar business that we've talked about, even with the Marco Verratti transfer weighing over Kool-Aid's heads. The team is still the team, and they're getting started to play. The ones who are on the squad right now in the U.S. are going to be playing in those three friendlies, Juventus, Manchester United, and Real Madrid. Then we're only then a few short days after that away from the Super Cup. Exciting time for Barcelona fans. After talking about this one, we want to thank you so much for listening. We tell you again to head to the BarcelonaPodcast.com to subscribe, comment, or support the show by taking advantage of the many deals we offer and particularly on iTunes, whether you're in the States or around the world, in the UK, Nigeria, anywhere you're listening, you can give us four or five stars if we're worth it. You know, I would hope that we're worth five stars, Frances, and share a review as well to help make the show better if we don't earn those five stars for you. But Frances, it looks like we got a review this week from the UK. And we got five stars. Charlie Barca said, a Barca podcast, five stars. He says, this is the podcast English-speaking Barca fans have been waiting for. This is a very professional and well-put-together pod. It also has potential to grow and maybe include some interviews and guests. Um, thank you for your review, Charlie, and everyone else that has thought about doing it. This is your challenge. You need to do it now because you will be featuring the show. Um, yeah, delighted to, to, to have that feedback. The interviews and guests is something that we have considered. Um, as I said, in I think it was episode one or two, this is a little bit of a trial. We are trying to see how this Barca podcast could work. Now with 16 episodes in, I think that we sort of have a format that we like and uh, our audience likes as well. And we're just sort of looking at new ways to grow it. Bringing guests and interviews is definitely a step that we have considered. And uh, But that will depend on whether you guys share the podcast with people that, like yourself, love Barca and you help us grow. Because if we are going to fine-tune it and tweak it and improve it, we cannot do it without you and your support. So if you are listening, thank you very much for what you're doing. It really means a lot to us. Yeah, and it helps us continue to, as we mentioned, whether it's Neymar, whether it's Mark Verratti, continue to give you some of the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No. And of course, until next time, we'll talk to you soon and Forza Barca. Forza! I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.